live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. A pleasant good evening, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. On your home of the Fighting Irish and the NFL Playoffs, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com. Our free WSBT radio app. Get the app cost you nothing go to the itunes or google play stores search wsbt radio get that app then you can listen to us live or the programs on demand and we have our twitch video feed up and going as well welcome to your wednesday january the 18th of 2023 sports beat on the air until seven o'clock tonight coming up in a moment our hat trick of opening topics then at 5 30 one thought on each game on the Notre Dame football schedule. The 2023 Notre Dame football schedule was revealed earlier today. No start times yet, but at least we know the days in which the Irish play. And a very interesting two-by season and where those buys are located. Also coming up later on this hour, our Twitter question of the day in the 6 o'clock hour. A couple of guests. First off at 6.05, my colleague from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold. He'll join me to talk about his film study of new Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman. He is going game through game through the Wake Forest schedule last year and offering some insight on what you, the Fighting Irish football fans, should expect from Hartman. So we'll talk to... Tyler about what he's learned about Sam Hartman, his thoughts on the schedule. Do the Irish need a grad transfer tight end? When we get to the spring, is there someone, if it's the right person, would it be a good idea to add a veteran tight end? Also, we'll talk to Tyler about the recent addition of Ohio State defensive end Javante Jean-Baptiste to this fighting Irish football team as a grad transfer. And we'll also sneak in some Irish women's basketball talk since Tyler covers Neil Ivey's team as well. And just in the 6 o'clock hour at 6.30 is Notre Dame Hockey Grad Student Center Jackson Pearson 
Jackson playing with the Fighting Irish this year after four years at New Hampshire, but he's also an Indiana native as Jackson is the pride of Zionsville, Indiana. So we'll talk about a Hoosier kid playing hockey with the Fighting Irish coming up at 6.30. Notre Dame hockey is at Penn State this weekend. A tough matchup for the Irish against the sixth-ranked Nittany Lions. Also in the 6 o'clock hour, we will have the My Five, the five most surprising things about this 9-10 Notre Dame men's basketball team, and we'll have some sizzler picks to wrap up the program. Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, I've reshuffled the start of the program. I now labeling it the hat trick of opening topics. Of course, hat trick in regard to three goals in hockey. So we have three opening topics to get this program started. So topic number one this evening is the Notre Dame football schedule being released earlier today by the Fighting Irish football program. First, let's just go through the schedule. Again, we don't have start times. That'll come probably in a few weeks or in the next couple of months. So the Irish will open their season as we expected August 26th in Dublin, Ireland against the United States Naval Academy, a brand new head coach for Navy. Third time that the Irish and Navy will meet in Ireland. No time off for the Irish. They get right back at it September 2nd at home against Tennessee State. And this will be that first ever matchup for Notre Dame against an FCS school. Then September 9th, a very interesting road test at North Carolina State. Devin Leary, their quarterback, transferred to Kentucky, so the Wolfpack offense will look a little different without Devin. Then September 16th, the Irish will take on Central Michigan. As that is one of those bye games for the Irish, bringing Central Michigan to South Bend. This definitely isn't a bye game. September 23rd, the completion of the two-game series against the Ohio State Buckeyes. I've mentioned no buys yet. September 30th, Notre Dame will be at the Duke Blue Devils. October 7th, on the road again at Louisville. Then October 14th, it'll be Notre Dame hosting the USC Trojans. And after eight consecutive weeks of playing football, the first of two buys for Notre Dame is on October the 21st. After the bye, October 28th, it's the Pitt Panthers at Notre Dame Stadium. November 4th, you knew this game was going to be in November because November is sweeps time for TV stations. That's where they go after the big ratings, setting their ability to charge more for commercials if the ratings are really, really good. So no surprise that Notre Dame at Clemson is in November once again. Third straight meeting at least where they've met in November. Then another bye for Notre Dame on November the 11th after the Clemson game. November 18th, the Irish will wrap up the regular season at home 
against Sam Hartman's old team, Wake Forest. And as they do every two years, the final game of the regular season for Notre Dame, it is at Stanford on November the 25th. Let me just offer up a couple of thoughts seeing the schedule today. What I like, you start the season with a couple of games that you should put in your back pocket. And I know, I remember last year when Notre Dame had 12 yards of offense in the second half against Navy, and that game got way too interesting. But I think we all agree that should be a winnable football game. And then you got Tennessee State, the FCS school. So a chance to ease into the schedule, unlike opening up at Ohio State last year. That puts the team in a really difficult spot. A couple of things I don't like about the schedule. Your first bye week is after your eighth game of the year. And within that eight-game sequence, you have a trip overseas. A second thing I don't like, two bye weeks and a four-week span. And also, you, you do not have a bye before Ohio State, Clemson, or USC. Now, I've always assumed the ACC sets the schedule, Notre Dame against ACC opponents, so you're kind of locked in. You've got Pitt before Clemson. You've got Louisville before USC. But you do control the game before Ohio State. If a bye was really important to Notre Dame, you hope you could work something out. I know scheduling is difficult. I'm not trying to make it out like it's simple and you snap your fingers and you make it happen. But if you feel like buys are important, you do control your own schedule before Ohio State because that's the weekend Central Michigan comes to Notre Dame Stadium. So we have seen for so many years the elite teams on the Irish schedule and even non-elite teams have those bye weeks before Notre Dame. The Irish will play Central Michigan before Ohio State, at Louisville before USC, Pitt before the road game against Clemson. So no buys, I would say, in important spots. They get a buy after USC and before Pitt, and they get a buy after Clemson and before Wake Forest. Let me say this. I think it's also a very competitive schedule. There are some stern tests within this schedule. I know across the country, the Tennessee State game will get a lot of attention. But at NC State is a challenging ball game. Ohio State at home at Duke. Blue Devils under Mike Elko played really good football this year. At Louisville could be tricky. USC at home at Clemson. So there are some challenges. And you take a look at some of the other Elite teams in college football, Notre Dame's schedule is more difficult than Georgia and Michigan, just for example, and that's even with Tennessee State on the schedule. Our second of three hat trick opening topics, the Notre Dame basketball team loses to Florida State 84-71 to last night. The Irish fell behind 13 to nothing. They were down 32 to 8 in the first half. I actually went to a high school basketball game last night, got sat down, put it on my phone, and the first thing I saw was something like 28 to 8. Holy cow. That is a disastrous start for Mike Bray's team. So 
once I got home, I watched the first half. I got to admit to you, I didn't feel the need to watch the second half. The first half was enough. But I think what was frustrating for me is the fact, you look at how that game started. The first possession of the ball game, Florida State has the basketball in the right corner. The Seminole player drives right by J.J. Sterling along the baseline and gets an easy layup. That's how the game starts. Notre Dame goes down the floor. They work themselves into a terrific scoring spot, and what happens? They miss a layup. Florida State gets the rebound, and they go coast-to-coast for a dunk. The transition defense did not stop the basketball, which is rule number one of transition defense. Stop the basketball. And the Seminole was allowed to go coast-to-coast. It doesn't take a head coach and a handful of assistant coaches to stress that before a game. That's on the players. That's their responsibility. Do your job. This is something you learned at the latest in high school. Stop the darn basketball. Communicate. Use your voices. You cannot allow a game to start like that. Blown assignment, layup given up. You miss a layup, you don't get the rebound, and you allow the other team to go down the floor. You don't stop the ball, and they get a slam dunk, and it's four to nothing before you can even get settled into your seat. And I don't mean to break the game down into three plays, but it's kind of symbolic of the dysfunction of the players throughout basketball games, and that's how the game started. You're at home. You got green jerseys on for this special occasion. And they come out and just, I don't know if I'm fair to say unfocused, but it's fair to say poor execution on the first three plays of the game. And you look up and it's 13 to nothing and 32 to eight. They recovered, I guess, got to within 13, but I mean, I can't imagine the coaching staff watching the film, not wanting to pull their hair out. I mean, coming to practice today, if they have practice, they may have the day off from that standpoint, but show the first minute of the game, and that's absolutely unacceptable Notre Dame basketball. Mike's got to be furious with the execution. Again, it's on the players. you got to put your foot on the baseline and stop a guy driving. You got to make a layup. Now, to be fair, the Florida State has some height. I'm sure it's in the back of the mind of a couple of the Irish players about getting their shot blocked. But then no one stops the ball in transition and they get a slam dunk. And it's four to nothing. And it's a disappointing way to start the game. And the disappointment continued. They played themselves out of the basketball game. I mean, what do you say as a coach? Can't babysit them every possession their responsibility just frustrating just really really frustrating at the end of the night florida state shot 51 percent from the field seven of 18 from the three-point line they got to the free throw line 29 times on the road making 23 and this isn't a surprise but florida state was plus 13 in the rebounding category against the irish marcus hammond gave mike some Good minutes off the bench, led the way in the point category with 19. But the Irish are now 9-10, 1-7 in the ACC. 
They're back at it Saturday at 2 o'clock against Boston College, a team that they lost to January 3rd in Chestnut Hill, 70-63, a game that Notre Dame had control of but let slip away late. On the Notre Dame Radio Network, heard right here on WSBT Radio, after each game, Tony Simeone has a chance to catch up with Fighting Irish head coach Mike Bray. As We're going to be joined now by the head coach, Mike Bray, as we always are uh, after the game tonight. Uh, it just seemed like this one from the start did not go the way you guys expected. They jumped out to that 32-8 to run, and it just huh. seemed like it was too much for you guys to dig out of. Yeah, we, we didn't have much chest or force defensively. It's, that's really disappointing, and then you're digging out of a hole, and we made a nice valiant. I mean, a lot of respect for fighting and scratching, but if you don't put your chest on people early, um, it's going to be ugly, and then they got confident, and uh, we got what we deserve. I thought they played very yeah. well and shot it well against us, and, but we got them confident early by not much uh, baseline drive layup to start, transition dunk. Now the tone is set. Again, valiant effort, yeah. fighting and scratching, but uh, you ain't coming out of that hole. Second straight game, though, Marcus Hammond had 19 points. Yeah. He gave you some life uh, off the bench quickly. Uh, what would you like about his performance? Yeah, no, I, I think he's – we got to ride him, yeah. man. He makes stuff happen for us. He was so good in the Dome the other night. Um, he'll continue to – we started him in the second half. We'll continue to start him. I mean, who the hell knows who we should start Saturday, quite <laughs> frankly. Maybe we bench all of them, and, uh, except for Marcus <laughs> Hammond. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll go back to work on it. Last one I have is you mentioned that the fight was impressive to, to try to dig out twice. Yeah. But I, I'm just curious, like you said, what do you what do you try to do to get the message right before the next game? Ask them. Okay. Appreciate it, Coach. After Notre Dame wow. loses. That says it all. That is as defeated as I have ever heard Mike Bray in his 20-plus years in South Bend. I think this coaching staff ran out of answers couple of weeks ago if you aren't going to defend if you're not even going to try you better shoot 70 percent from the field and to be quite frank to build off what mike said if this was pro basketball there'd be some guys that would be in position to be cut today for what's going on right now and mike even pointed out the slam dunk at the start of the game stop the damn ball It isn't hard. Move your feet. It's amazing how guys will work their tail off to get a shot because everybody wants to score. But you go down to the defensive end and no one gives a darn. And I've heard, well, they don't have a long bench. Stop it. These guys are in great shape. I don't want to hear excuses. No excuses. It doesn't take much to stop the ball. It doesn't take a lot of energy. Stop the ball. Something that you probably played basketball, junior high, high school, college, wherever. You had coaches telling you that. Stop the ball. Show some effort, please. And here's the sad part. These are all older guys. They're going to be gone. And it's not like there's a group of seven guys down the line of the bench you can go to and build for next year. It's just really not there. Hmm. Just... It's hard to watch. That's why I shut it off after the first half. I didn't feel like there was any point to watch the second half. I knew the final. But I saw enough in the first half to be like, I'm done. I'm not going to waste the next 45 minutes watching this because I can pretty much imagine how it played out. 
All I needed to see was the first minute. Should have turned it off at that point. So again, Notre Dame, Boston College, Saturday, 2 o'clock, here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 526 is our time, our third and final hat trick opening topic for tonight's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I mean this sincerely and no disrespect, but who would really want Tom Brady next year? Seven Super Bowl titles, five Super Bowl MVP honors. I have not forgotten any of that. All the touchdown passes, all the games won. First time in his career he's ever ended a season with a losing record was this year. But here's the problem. Did you watch the game Monday? And it's not just that game, but it's throughout the year. But he's a duck-and-chuck quarterback. Does he still make great throws when he has time and is protected? Absolutely. No one gets rid of the football faster than Tom. Credit to him for understanding what defenses are doing, knows where to go with the football. But there are times when someone gets near him, not hit him, gets near him, throws it in the ground, throws it away, gets out of dodge. I mean, he is 45. I would not want to be hit at 45. But there's just a lot of give-up plays now where he's not taking the hit to deliver the football to make a play for his football team. I mean, he was just throwing the ball in the dirt at times just to say, eh, I don't want to get hit. Let's move on. That's not what I want as a quarterback. He is the greatest. We can all probably agree on that. But he's 45, and I just watched that game, and it just reminded me, as great as he is, I don't want a quarterback that's going to do that and not take a hit for my team. When wide receivers get laid out on throws that he makes, trying to jam it into a spot or throws off the mark. I just think you got to be careful. Brady is amazing. His resume is amazing. But right now, I'm not sure if I take a shot with him, even with all the teams and needs of quarterbacks. The Raiders, maybe he goes there. His old Patriot offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, is the head coach. As a fan of a team in the AFC West, that doesn't bother me in the least bit. Four years ago, three years ago, yeah, that would be very concerning. But now, not so much. Not so much. Tough to watch at times on Monday night. That's our hat trick opening topics for Budweiser's weekday sports beat for this Wednesday evening. Darren Pritchett with you here on WSBT Radio. When I return... Let's go through the Notre Dame football schedule for 2023, which was announced earlier today, and I'll give you one thought, or maybe a second sneaks in, on each of the games coming up in 2023. Still to come, a couple of guests at 6.05, Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka joins me to talk Fighting Irish football, and one hour from now at 6.30, Notre Dame hockey player Jackson Pearson from Zinesville, Indiana hops on board. Budweiser's weekday sports beat for this Wednesday on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Gonna win. Don't wanna be a loser, gonna win. The man in the end zone, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles on the post route. Gives to Estimate. Leaps into the end zone, touchdown Notre Dame! Ball caught, touchdown! 
What a catch by Jaden Thomas. Hands off to Diggs. There he goes. 20, 15, 10. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Notre Dame football coverage continues now from Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Here come the Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. All right, it is 536 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Thanks for joining me on this Wednesday evening. As I mentioned in our opening segment, Notre Dame released the 2023 football schedule today. We do not know the start times. That'll come probably not too far down the line, but at least we know the opponents. And for those of you that have family events, a wedding, whatever that you want to work into the fall. But as we know, some people are a little sensitive about events being scheduled in the fall around college football and around these parts, Notre Dame football. I think the last thing a couple wants is a wedding on a Saturday of a Notre Dame home game. Things can get a little complicated around these parts. So at least we know the schedule. And let's take a look at the schedule. And I'll try to come up with a thought or two on that week's opponent. So away we go. We will start with that season opener on August the 26th in Dublin, Ireland, as the Irish will take on the United States Naval Academy. It is the third meeting between the two teams in Ireland. And you might recall that in 2012, on their road to the national championship game, the Fighting Irish opened their year by absolutely crushing Navy. And that was a game in which Notre Dame just really did whatever they wanted against Navy. It was a dominating performance. They came home, and it was a rough game against Purdue. I'm sure the body clocks of the players were still adjusting back to South Bend time. But Everett Golson was the starting quarterback, and a guy by the name of Tommy Reese came off the bench to lead the two-minute drill, got the Irish into scoring position, game-winning field goal was kicked, and Notre Dame avoided an upset loss at home to the Purdue Boilermakers. So it will be Notre Dame and Navy in Dublin, Ireland on August the 26th. Next up for Notre Dame on the schedule this year, September 2nd against Tennessee State. This will be the first meeting for Notre Dame against a historically black college or university, and it's also breaking a tradition of being one of three schools that have never played an FCS school. Notre Dame will leave that grouping as they will play their first FCS school. Tennessee State, their head coach, one of the great running backs in Ohio State and NFL history, Eddie George. Game number three for the Fighting Irish. Notre Dame will hit the road, their first true road game of the year. It'll be in Raleigh against North Carolina State on September the 9th. 
These two teams have only played three times. NC State leads the all-time series 2-1, to one, but we can point out when there is no hurricane and when Notre Dame does not throw the ball a million times in a hurricane, the record isn't very good. Notre Dame is 0-1 in hurricane games against NC State, 1-1 overall. Remember that game in the hurricane? BK, man, they were throwing it all over the place. That was maybe the strangest game plan in his tenure here in South Bend. Fourth consecutive week of playing football. Notre Dame on September the 16th will take on Central Michigan. And this will be the first ever meeting on the football field between the Irish and CMU. Then things get awfully interesting. September the 23rd, the Ohio State Buckeyes and their fans will come to Notre Dame Stadium. Buckeyes won the matchup last year in Columbus, 21-10. Not sure many teams defended Ohio State any better than the Fighting Irish last year. An Ohio State team that ended up getting to the college football playoff and nearly took down the Georgia Bulldogs. The keynote, Ohio State will have a different starting quarterback. C.J. Stroud, earlier this week, officially entered the NFL draft, which is good news for the Indianapolis Colts and NFL teams needing a quarterback. That adds a little more depth to the class. It took him a long time. You wonder if there was some NIL negotiations taking place. But Stroud is in the draft, so my best guess is Ohio State would start Kyle McCord at quarterback. He has started one game in his career at Ohio State. It was in 2021 with Stroud. Was out with a shoulder injury. It was against Akron. McCord went 13 of 18 for 319 yards and two touchdowns. If it's McCord or whomever, the good news for Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr., arguably the best wide receiver in the country, will be lining up on the outside for Ohio State. We're taking a look at the newly released Notre Dame football 2023 schedule and passing along a thought or two on each game. Let's move to September the 30th. A sixth consecutive game play without a bye for Notre Dame. And on September the 30th, it's an ACC matchup, Notre Dame at Duke. The head coach of the Blue Devils is 2017 Irish defensive coordinator Mike Elko. And what a first year for Elko at Duke. He led the Blue Devils to a 9-4 record. They won a bowl game. He was the ACC coach of the year. Nine wins for Duke football. That deserves a big-time bonus and a raise. Great, great season for Elko down there on Tobacco Road. So, Duke, maybe they will be a feisty opponent for the Irish on the road September 30th. Now we move to October. Still no buys for the Irish. We're getting closer, but not yet. The seventh consecutive game for Notre Dame is October 7th at Louisville. Louisville has a new head coach. Jeff Brom left Purdue to go back to Louisville. And he's bringing along with him Jack Plummer to be his quarterback. 
This is an oddity, but in today's college football, this may happen a lot more. But this will be the third straight year the Irish will face Jack Plummer. But all three years, he's been at a different school. Notre Dame faced Plummer in 2021 here at Notre Dame Stadium when he was with Purdue. This season, Plummer was back at Notre Dame Stadium quarterbacking California. And in 2023, Plummer at least will have the home jersey on taking on the Irish. It will be Notre Dame at Louisville on October the 7th. Then on October the 14th, Notre Dame playing an eighth consecutive week. They will take on the rivals from the West Coast, the USC Trojans. Irish will look to get back in the win column against the men of Troy after losing at the Coliseum last year. And Notre Dame will be facing the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, quarterback Caleb Williams. And after eight straight weeks of playing football, including a trip overseas, the Irish players finally get to catch their breath. October the 21st, Notre Dame will have a bye, ending that eight-game stretch of playing football. After the bye, October 28th, it'll be Notre Dame back home to take on from the ACC, the Pittsburgh Panthers. And oh yes, the guy who has a lot of opinions and he's not afraid to voice them and his dislike for Notre Dame since leaving here is Phil Dracovic, the guy who left Notre Dame for Boston College and now he has transferred to Pittsburgh. So Dracovic, who I guess he didn't necessarily run his mouth the day of the BC at Notre Dame game in November. I guess he typed a lot of things about Notre Dame, and he wasn't very kind. Personally, I thought we're past that. We don't need to talk about it anymore, but Phil feels like he needs to. We'll see if he has something to say before Pittsburgh comes to South Bend on October the 28th. So that's the game after the bye. Then after the home game against Pittsburgh, likely primetime football down in Death Valley, November 4th. It'll be Notre Dame at Clemson. The 2015 game was in a hurricane as well. Notre Dame battled back late. Brian Kelly went for two, went for two miss. If he just kicks extra points, they're in overtime. Didn't work out. Clemson won that game. That was the bring your own guts game. As Dabo Sweeney mentioned that after the game. So that'll be a fantastic matchup. Cade Klubnick will be the new starting quarterback for the Clemson Tigers. Then for the second time in four weeks, Notre Dame has a bye. It's on November the 11th after the Clemson game. Following that second bye, Notre Dame has two games left on the regular season schedule. November 18th, Wake Forest at Notre Dame, the final ACC matchup of 2023. And the thought here is pretty simple. It is new Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman playing his final home game at Notre Dame Stadium against the team he played for for five years, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And the 2023 regular season wraps up for the Fighting Irish on November the 25th. It'll be the Fighting Irish out on the farm in Palo Alto taking on the Stanford Cardinal. 
David Shaw beat the Irish at Notre Dame Stadium last year. Shaw stepped away from the Stanford program, and the Cardinal have hired Troy Taylor, who took a program that wasn't very good at Sacramento State, led them to the playoffs three consecutive years. Taylor now in charge of the Stanford program. And quarterback Tanner McKee, the best player on the Stanford roster last year. We will not see him out at Stanford this year. He declared for the National Football League draft. So that's a thought or two on each opponent on the 2023 Notre Dame football schedule, which was released earlier today. Catch Fighting Irish football right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of touchdowns and a lot of points put on the board here in South Bend this year. Sam Hartman, with that running game, if the offensive line, the receivers, the tight ends continue to develop and do their job, this could be as fun of a year as Irish fans have had offensively in quite some time because, let's be frank, the Irish have not had a quarterback this good since Brady Quinn. And that is A, kind of disappointing it's taken this long, but B, fantastic news for 2023. 5.48, I'm Darren Pritchett. Coming up in a couple of moments, we'll have our Twitter question of the day here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 553 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The program brought to you by Budweiser and our friends at United Beverage. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, own, shop, or new beginnings. Have happy endings. And by our sports update sponsor, Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Terry Clark in South Bend or Matt Carroll in Mishawaka. Before we get to the Twitter question of the day, Mishawaka basketball team last night beat South Bend Clay 83-62 for their ninth consecutive victory to move their record to 12-2. and And I know the Mishawaka Athletic Department is urging Mishawaka fans to come out in droves on Saturday, a huge ball game for the Cavemen back in Northern Lakes Conference play. They'll take on an outstanding Northridge team. The JV game starts at 6.15. Varsity game probably starts right around 7.45. But this is a terrific Cayman team. The offense is sharing the basketball so well. They get out in transition and do a lot of damage offensively in that capacity. A very good defensive team with a lot of interesting parts that Coach Bodie Bender has put together, and this team is having a great year. So they are asking the community Cayman fans, basketball fans, to come out. They want a loud cave for the Northridge-Mishawaka game, and that'll be Saturday night at 745. 
I know our friends on 96.1 The Tunnel have the play-by-play of that ball game, but if you want to listen to the game, bring your headphones with you. You can listen to the app and watch the game in person. And Mishawaka head coach Bodie Bender is going to join me on the program tomorrow night to talk about this caveman team and trying to stir up the fans to get out there to the cave Saturday night for Northridge and Mishawaka. And in other high school news, Marcus Burton had 40 last night for Penn against Northridge. The Notre Dame commit now five points away from becoming the all-time scoring leader in Penn history. And pretty good chance he'll break that record against a terrific defensive team, the top-ranked team in 3A, Mishawaka Marion at Penn, coming up on Friday night. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our Twitter question of the day is found each day on my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat. Yesterday's program, we asked, who would you rather have at quarterback for one year? Not two, not three, not four, these days six, but one year, the 23 campaign. I gave you four choices. Choice number one, the new guy around these parts, Sam Hartman of Notre Dame. The young gun, a lot of expectations down in Death Valley for Cade Klubnik of Clemson. How about the extremely versatile and a guy that improved a lot under former Notre Dame offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock down in the other Death Valley, LSU's Jaden Daniels. And the fourth choice, North Carolina's Drake May. We've added up the votes. Not getting a lot of support coming in fourth place. 1.2% of the vote. Clemson's Cade Klubnik. He'll host the Irish coming up November 4th. Third place in the voting is LSU's Jaden Daniels. Does the fact that Brian Kelly coaches LSU, did that keep Daniels' vote down? Maybe, maybe not, but he got 4.7% of the vote. Second in the voting, who would you rather have at quarterback for one year? 43% of the vote, North Carolina's Drake May. No doubt about it, a Heisman hopeful for next year. And the winner, he's got to be in that way too early Heisman conversation for next year. Notre Dame's Sam Hartman got 51.2% of the vote. We thank you for voting. Greatly appreciate it. Now let's give you today's question. It comes from the National Football League. Let's take away the elite quarterbacks left in the NFL playoffs. In the elite category, I've got Patrick Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs, Josh Allen, of the Buffalo Bills, Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals, and I put Jalen Hurts in that category. I know he has not had the success long-term as the other guys, but he's got a chance to be the MVP of the league this year. Maybe Mahomes gets it, but Hurts has been really good. That leaves us with the other four. So which of these four quarterbacks would you trust the most in the playoffs? Your four choices. Mr. Irrelevant. Out of Iowa State, San Francisco 49er rookie quarterback, Brock Purdy. The guy that's going to make a lot of money next year after the Giants did not give him that fifth-year option. But Daniel Jones is turning into a terrific quarterback. So do you trust Daniel Jones of the Giants the most? Choice number three, the guy who had 
four touchdown passes and a rushing touchdown and no turnovers against Tampa Bay Monday night. The Cowboys, Dak Prescott. And the fourth choice, the guy with four interceptions over the first six drives against the Chargers on Saturday. The same guy that threw four touchdown passes in the final six drives of that same game, Trevor Lawrence of Jacksonville. So again, take away the elite quarterbacks left in the NFL playoffs. Which of these four quarterbacks would you trust the most in the playoffs? Purdy, Jones, Prescott, or Lawrence? Results tomorrow, brand new question coming your way on tomorrow's program. But remember, you can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Sports update next. Then we'll talk Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chase by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. 5-5 rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host. Darren Pritchett. 610 at WSBT. I'm joined by Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. All his work available for you to read right now at blueandgold.com. And we're here to talk Notre Dame football at the start of our conversation. We'll wrap things up and talk a little bit about the Irish women's basketball team. They're back in action at Clemson tomorrow night. Well, Tyler, good to be with you as always. And I want to start with Sam Hartman, the new quarterback for the Fighting Irish after five years, a record-setting career at Wake Forest, now a part of this Fighting Irish football program for one year. You are doing a really interesting breakdown at blueandgold.com. You are going through all of Sam Hartman's games last year at Wake Forest and doing some analysis and showing what Sam Hartman can bring to this program. I'm just wondering, generally speaking, I know you're through quite a few games right now. What have you learned the most about Sam Hartman after breaking down every snap in these games? Yeah, I just watched the Army game today, and I think today's game was a perfect example of the answer to your question. And that's just that this dude is a gamer. And I get it. Drew Pine was a gamer. He was competitive. But on top of that, obviously, Sam Hartman can make all of these different types of throws, and he's just a really well-put-together, well-polished, experienced quarterback. He's been through a lot. But today's game that I watched, the fifth game of his 2022 season against Army, there was a particular sequence. I think it was his sixth drive of the game. So uh, Wake Forest is already up 21-0. to zero, And obviously, Army has not been great over the last couple of seasons, did not have a great season this past year. But I, he just had a sequence where – he runs for, I think it was five or six yards, and he takes a pretty good shot. The, the play was originally ruled targeting. They went back, reviewed it. I think it could have stood as targeting if that was their original call on the field. I think they rescinded that penalty, but obviously you get the 15-yard penalty anyway for unnecessary roughness. On the very next play, he drops back to, drops back to throw, doesn't see anything down, downfield, takes off to his right again, goes upfield, and literally tries to hurdle a defensive back who probably – has 15, 20 pounds on him, is a little more lean, a little more lean, a little more athletic. Compare any defensive back to 
a 6'1 quarterback, and you're going to see that one guy's probably a little bit more athletic. That's going to be the DB every single time. Hartman tried to jump over this guy. Didn't work too well. Landed flat on his back, but still gained 11 yards. First down, Wake Forest. Two plays later, he hits a wide receiver down the middle of the field on a post where the wide receiver completely burned the cornerback and the safety. There was one spot that Hartman needed to put it, which was out in front of the wide receiver. Hit him on the money, 26-yard touchdown. Mm. So it's just the competitiveness that he brings on top of being able to make a throw like that. You saw it all there in a sequence of four or five plays. I don't think Notre Dame had anybody on the roster in 2021 or 2022, excuse me, who could do that. That's including Tyler Buckner, the guy that he's going to presumably compete against this offseason. Yes, Tyler Buckner is really athletic, but I think there is something to Sam Hartman's game that I've seen in these five games that I've watched so far where he's just a relentless competitor. And I'll, I'll give you a couple other examples sure. real quickly. Today in that Army game that I watched, he got up from a sack. I think Wake Forest only lost one yard, and he was yelling at the wide receivers like, hey, you got to do this or you got to do that. Give me somewhere to throw the ball. He was mad that he lost uh, just a single yard. I mean, the, the drive goes on. They probably scored a touchdown on that drive too, but he was really mad about that. And there was another play where I think he scrambled for three or four yards. This might have been against Liberty, I want to say. And he gets up looking at the line or the, the sideline and looking at his coaches and saying, hey, that wasn't the right call or we didn't execute that properly. So I think he's got a good head about him. He's fiery. He's competitor. And then obviously you see the 110 touchdowns in ACC record. And that's just passing touchdowns too. He's ran for quite a bit in his career. Uh, to me, I, so far in these five games, I've seen the total package. Tyler, I'm not overly worried about Hartman's completion percentage for his career right around 60% because with what you are saying, he is fearless. He is not afraid to throw the football down the field. He is as good as anybody in the country in getting the football down the field. And that's okay with me. You might lose a couple of percentage points off the completion percentage. That doesn't necessarily win games, the completion percentage, because I think back to the Marshall game, they stacked the line of scrimmage, and they dared Tyler Buckner to throw it 15, 20, 25 yards down the field, and I don't think he ever completed a throw over 20 yards in that game. You can't play that way against the Irish with Sam Hartman. No, absolutely not. And, and this career, 59%, whatever it is, I mean, he was 63 last year. He'd like that to be between 65 and 70. But like you said, some of these throws, I think I tweeted out one earlier this week where I'm impressed by Sam Hartman in complete passes. There was one where, uh, what was the game? The Florida State game that I put out. And you can find all of these at blueandgold.com. Again, I've gone through five games so far. Hope to be done with the whole season by the end of next week. There was a throw that he made to the corner of the left end zone where wide receivers this day and age, they probably make this catch probably 80% of the time. This particular time, it just slipped out of the, the hands of the wideout, but it was on the money. I mean, this thing was a frozen rope from about 30 yards out. Hartman, again, had one place where he could put this ball. He put it exactly where he needed to, you know, where a receiver is working toward the sideline in the end zone, and the DB is kind of draped all over him. You've got to put the ball on the money. He did. The wideout dropped the ball, but that is a throw that goes down as an incomplete pass, and it hurts your completion percentage, but it was a brilliant throw. And I've seen some others where he tried to make these throws to the, the sidelines that Tyler Buckner got picked off against Marshall twice, and we saw some interceptions against South Carolina. Obviously, those go against your completion percentage as well. But Hartman misses those throws to the outside, and he's rarely picked off. Yes, I know he had 12 interceptions this season, but that's on 430 attempts. And So I would not get wrapped up into the 
completion percentage thing, the interceptions. This is just a byproduct of a guy who knows that he can make plays and makes more plays than bad mistakes. And, and this is just that those are just some of the things that go with that is you're not going to complete as many balls as say uh, someone who's in an offense where his average depth of target is, I don't know, five yards downfield. Sam Hartman's average depth of target. I saw this on Twitter and I think my colleague Patrick Engel is going to write about this. If he hasn't already, he's going to write about it later this week. Sam Hartman is near the very top in the FBS in terms of average depth of target. So he is throwing the ball downfield, which is what Notre Dame wants. It's something that Notre Dame has been lacking. You're just going to get a few more incomplete passes that go with that. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, joining me on WSBT Radio. As we head toward the spring, and you can add transfers like a Chris Smith along the defensive line like Notre Dame did last year. So I'm wondering as we head toward the spring when you might be able to pick someone out of the transfer portal, do you think Notre Dame should look for a veteran tight end? They have a lot of good young prospects in that room, but you got Sam Hartman, and I'm not sure if you want to go into this season with any part of your football team questioning what you have. What do you think? Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. I think if I've learned one thing about this Notre Dame coaching staff is they do bank on the guys that they have. You mentioned Chris Smith, and obviously they've gone to the portal to get a kicker two years in a row now. And, um, you know, Thomas Harbour with the, the safety help that's coming in. But I think they, the way that they've recruited the tight end position over the years, they're bringing in another guy, Cooper Flanagan, who I don't think is going to see the field a whole lot. But, uh, you know, Kane Barong entered the transfer portal and left Notre Dame this season. I think when you're having something like that happen, you get the sense that the Kevin Baumans of the world are going to step up, hopefully be healthy, play all your Mitchell Evans, really showed me a lot in that Gator Bowl, catching a touchdown, catching a couple other passes. He could be a number one tight end. Is he going to be a Michael Mayer type? I don't think so. And you're not even going to find a Michael Mayer type in the transfer portal. That's once in a, every 10, 20, maybe even 30 years you find a guy like that. I mean, we're talking about potentially the best tight end that's ever rolled through Notre Dame. For my money, he is, and there's been a lot of really good ones. But I just think that the coaching staff has a lot of faith in Kevin Baum and Holden Stage, Eli Raritan, those guys, plus you're bringing in a guy like Sam Hartman, who I'm sure Wake Forest fans, some of these tight ends that I've seen him throw the ball to in these games that I've been going back and rewatching, a couple of years ago, they probably didn't even know that they got these guys as recruits. Sam Hartman makes them better. He finds them. He, he throws the ball with precision down the seam, and you can have any tight end run a seam route. I mean, we saw Kevin Bauman in the three games that he played last season before tearing his ACL get wide open on a couple seams. If he does that, Sam Hartman is going to find him. So for me, the tight end room is all about staying healthy because you had two guys tear their ACL last year. And I think those guys, if they do stay healthy, could be great contributors. And again, Mitchell Evans might be this team's number one tight end. I want to get your thoughts about Notre Dame picking up the Ohio State defensive end, Javante Jean Baptiste, four sacks as a backup player for the Buckeyes this season. Looking at his height and his weight and what he might be able to bring to this team, his versatility, is there a chance, Tyler, that Notre Dame might be able to use him at either one of the defensive end spots, or do you see him more fitting in perfectly in one of the spots? No, I think he'll be moved around, and this is just the case of Notre Dame losing two really good pass rushers that play on the outside in Isaiah Foskey and Justin Adamolola. You had to go out and get a guy like Baptiste who can play a little bit 
all over. And I will say this, while it's a great addition, and I think he can do a lot more in an expanded role. I mean, playing at Ohio State, college football playoff team, he was just a rotational guy. And Patrick Engel, my colleague, he wrote about that uh, last week, just that he didn't have as many reps. Maybe if you increase those opportunities, he does a little bit more. But I'm still a little bit worried about this Notre Dame pass rush just because, okay, yeah, you you add a depth piece. You have to have depth. There's going to be a lot of different guys playing that position, but you did lose the program's all-time leading sack getter in Isaiah Foskey, and Justin Adamalola was a a guy that really sculled him at times and and could play with him or or without Foskey on the field, and you lose both of those guys. I'm not sure Baptiste coming in makes up completely for that. So back to your question about picking up a transfer portal tight end, I think maybe they still try to find a, a defensive uh, end and maybe an edge rusher. And I think most of those have, you know, are going to be gone with this cycle of the portal, but who knows with the transfer portal, maybe someone says after spring ball, Hey, I don't like you here. I, I want to go find somewhere else. Notre Dame is a great place to go if you're a pass rusher, because right now I think Notre Dame could use all the help that they could get there. But again, I will circle around back to Baptiste and say, I mean, that, that's, that's filling a need. That is Notre Dame going out and get a rotational depth piece, at a position that it desperately needed one. So I think you see him play in a lot of different areas. And as it stands right now with the current construct of that roster on the defensive side, I think you see him play quite a bit. He does take that expanded role going from Ohio State to Notre Dame. Tyler, the 2023 Notre Dame football schedule was released today. You had a chance to look at the slate of games. Did you find anything interesting about the schedule? Yeah, I think the, all the rage right now is where those bye weeks are. And with Notre Dame playing a week zero game against Navy, and we already knew that it was going to come home right away and play an FCS opponent for the first time in Tennessee State the very next week, you, you think, okay, maybe that's where the bye week goes. No, if you're playing back-to-back weeks. And then you're going on the road at NC State, which is a little tricky game. They, they've had a pretty good team the last handful of years. And I think that's a pretty – Tough spot to get them. And then you get Central Michigan at home uh, the week before Ohio State. But, again, I wrote about this in the article that I put out about the schedule today. Notre Dame has had a little bit of issue with group of five opponents at home in September. And you cannot get caught looking ahead to the next game on the schedule because that's none other than Ohio State. And you're trying to get a revenge against those guys, team that's made the playoffs. How many times now a good handful that first month is trickier and harder than I think. And then you don't get those bye weeks until uh, after USC in late October. And then after Clemson in or, or mid to or early to mid November, that, that's a pretty grueling first couple of months there, considering that you have to play USC, Ohio state in there. You're going all the way to Ireland. So, I mean, this is a tricky schedule. It's a tough schedule. You've got enough good opponents on there to beat that that if Notre Dame goes 11 and 1, I think it's automatic bid for a playoff because that means you're beating two of uh, assuming you lose to one of these three teams, Ohio State, USC, Clemson who are probably all going to be top 15 teams, maybe even top 10 teams. It's a tricky schedule, it's a hard schedule. If Notre Dame goes 11 and 1, which is probably the hope every year. Obviously you want to run the table, but 11 and 1 sounds pretty good. I think that puts them in the playoff. Let me quick now shift quickly, excuse me, to Notre Dame women's basketball. You cover Neil Ivy's team. They've got a game coming up at Clemson. 
tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, the game on our sister station, Live 99.9. You feel like the Irish, with some new parts being added, they are trending in a really good direction right now? Yeah, I mean, this time last week, uh, we were coming off, we were talking about that game Notre Dame was coming off, losing 60-50 to at North Carolina, and I talked about how stuff went on the road in men's and women's college basketball. Sometimes you have games like that. They come home and beat Wake Forest by, I think it was 40 points. Uh, Todd Burlidge, my colleague, is the one who covered that game because I was out of town. But, I mean, that was as resounding of a win as you could get coming off of a, a tough loss. And then they go on the road and, and beat a pretty scrappy, tough Syracuse team by 16 points. And you saw all the signs of a good team where they were trailing late in the third quarter of that game. And then the best player on the floor, Olivia Miles, turns it on, gives Notre Dame a lead going into the fourth quarter, and then they just run away in that fourth frame. You love to see when a team faces a little bit of in-game adversity on the road. You think, oh, no, here it goes again. We're going to lose on the road. But the best player steps up, has 23 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. I think they're really in the groove. Uh, This is a team that should remain in the top ten the rest of the way, compete for a number two or number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And uh, where where this team was in the Ivy's first season – to be where they're at right now, I think you have all, to give all the credit in the world to her for turning it around and, and just recruiting the right players, putting them, them in the right spots. I mean, this is a team that only has 10 scholarship players again, and that's because of a mid-year early enrollee for just the second time in program history. First it was Olivia Miles. This year it's Cassandra Prosper, and she's come in and she's contributed. She's playing, I think it's five to ten minutes per game. She's scored in maybe three of the five games that she's played in. So you're getting something out of her. She's only going to continue to get better. And then when you have Miles and, and, and Maddie Westfeld, Lauren Ebo, Sonia Citron, they're all playing that the way they're playing right now. Uh, absolutely, this is one of the top five to ten teams in the country. Tyler, let's wrap things up by allowing you to talk about what's happening at blueandgold.com right now. Yeah, definitely keep going to blueandgold.com for the Sam Hartman rewatches. I've gotten a lot of really good uh, reaction on the message board. And that's another reason to go to blueandgold.com. I think we have the best community of Notre Dame fans. We're talking about thousands of Notre Dame fans who are logging into our website every single day, even in the middle of January when we're eight months away from Notre Dame football. Everyone's on there talking about Sam Hartman, Marcus Freeman, everything else about fighting Irish football. Only costs you $30, $29.99, actually. I'll save you a penny <laughs> to get on there right now through the, the start of the 20. 20- 23 football season, which is obviously August 26th against Navy in Ireland. So there's so many things. Uh, I I think there might be a little bit of men's basketball news that you might want to monitor over the next couple of weeks, maybe months. Uh, Patrick Engel does a really good job covering the men for us. Uh, After the way they've played the last couple of weeks, really all season, uh, there might be some, uh, some shifts. So you probably want to get there for that as well. Tyler, good to be with you as always. Thank you so much for the visit. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. All right. Thank you, Darren. You bet. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. It's 629. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Notre Dame hockey player Jackson Pearson. He's a Zinesville, Indiana native. Some hockey talk next on WSBT. Leading off on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy is good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. 
Northwest League champion. Adios! Walk-off home run, Eloy Jimenez. Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye, and maybe that's a winner. Here's Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to the program, 632 at Sports Radio 960. WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Great to have you with me on this Wednesday evening. Coming up tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, it is the Mike Bray Show here on WSBT Radio. The next Notre Dame basketball game is Saturday at 2 o'clock at home against Boston College. That game right here on WSBT Radio. Also, Saturday night on our sister station, 96-1 the ton, the Mishawaka Cavemen who have won nine in a row. They'll play a big game at home against Northridge. The community asked to come out and support this caveman team that is red hot right now. Since the 93-94 season, only five Mishawaka teams have won as many as nine in a row. And this team will go for 10 in a row and win a big conference game, hopefully Saturday night. That game will be Saturday at 745 at our sister station, 96-1 the ton. Since we're talking about schedules, Notre Dame hockey back in action Friday and Saturday. They will play at Penn State, who is number six in the country. You can hear Friday's game, 6.30 opening faceoff, 6.15 pregame on our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM. And then Saturday, an early start. It is a 5 o'clock game from Happy Valley, 4.45 pregame on the Notre Dame radio network, including right here in South Bend on Quality Rock 94.3 FM. We were scheduled to talk to Notre Dame hockey player Jackson Pearson right now. They might have an extra meeting because the phone's going right to voicemails, so he might call back in before 7 o'clock, so stand by for that. In the meantime, we've always got something ready to go, our My 5 question of the day. One question, five answers. This is the My 5 Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, today's question. What are my five most surprising things about this Notre Dame basketball team that is now 9-10, 1-7 in the ACC? Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. The fifth most surprising thing is that this year's Notre Dame basketball team is 9-10, 1-7, in the ACC. It's hard to imagine. You think back to the magic of March. This team wins 15 ACC games. They barely get into the tournament and they took advantage of that invitation, beating Rutgers in that wild overtime game in Dayton, heading out west, beating Alabama. And then nearly knocking off Texas Tech, Blake Wesley goes to the NBA. Paul Atkinson moves on to professional basketball. J.J. Starling, a five-star guard, enters the program. And the other parts are still here. And here we are at 9-10 overall, 1-7 in the ACC. I guess the Irish telegraphed this earlier in the year when they were playing at home against weaker competition they were winning it's all that matters but in those games it was very difficult for the Irish to pull away and bury a team so it's almost like we should have seen this coming or I should have seen it coming but 
I just thought with this veteran roster, they would get locked in. They would figure out how to play without Blake Wesley and adding J.J. Starling into the equation. But it just has not clicked. And here we are in the middle of January, and Notre Dame's chances of making the tournament is zero unless they go on that magical run and win the ACC tournament. Four! The fourth most surprising thing about this year's 9-10 and 10 Irish basketball team, that the defense has not been competitive. They're never going to be Virginia. They're never going to be an elite defense, but the last few years they have held their own. This year's been a major step back. The opposition is shooting 46.4% from the field this year against Notre Dame. And the opposition is taking advantage of Notre Dame's deficiencies on defense in two areas. There isn't a shot blocker. And number two, the guards have a difficult time of keeping the ball in front of them. The result, teams are attacking the Irish in the paint and entering the game against B.C., on Saturday, the opposition has shot 14 more free throws than the Fighting Irish. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, number three. The third most surprising thing about this year's 9 and 10 Irish basketball team. This is interesting. I would really like a coach's perspective on this. Maybe me as a media member slash fan, you as a fan look at this differently than a coach, which very well could be, but... I thought this was the strangest stat. Nate Lashevsky leads the team in scoring at 13.3 points per game. He also leads the team in field goal percentage among the top six players at 53.1%. Yet, when you look at shot attempts on the season, he is fifth. Does that not add up? Am I right? You're first in scoring average. You're first in field goal percentage among the top six. But yet amongst the top six, you're fifth in field goal attempts. That just doesn't seem like stats that should be in the same sentence. You would think you'd want your top field goal percentage guy and points per game person to be at least in the top two, right, in shot attempts? Again, maybe a coach looks at it different. Maybe I'm just throwing stats together and that doesn't make any sense. Maybe I'm grouping the wrong stats, but I saw that today and it made me kind of scratch my head for a moment. Number two. The second most surprising thing about this year's Irish men's basketball team, this team without Wesley just looks very unathletic. It does not look like a Power 5 conference team from an athletic standpoint and the Irish are going to have to get more athletic in the future in order to be able to compete at the level that they expect here in South Bend. Number one. And the first most surprising thing about this year's Irish basketball team being 9-10, and 10, a problem going into last year that was solved and now it's back is this team's inability to finish games. Remember there was a time they went, gosh, what was it, 20, 30 games without beating a ranked opponent. And unable to close out a game against really good competition. They got over the hump last year. In fact, they were to the point, if they're down six with four minutes to go at the media timeout, 
you felt like they were going to win because they had gotten over the hump. They had figured out the keys to winning those close games. And it's like amnesia has set in, and they just can't close out the same games. Man, incredible. That's the My Five, the five most surprising things about this year's 9-10 and 10 Notre Dame basketball team, and they'll try to get back to 500 when they host Boston College Saturday at 2 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. 14 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues with our Sizzler segment as we offer some suggestions for the night in sports wagering. Let's recap the suggestions from last night. We start with Notre Dame basketball. My first suggestion was Notre Dame's Nate Lashevsky under. 12 and a half points. I base that on the fact in six career games against Florida State, he has never gone over 12 and a half. We got that particular wager at minus 105. Well, he never gets to shoot, it seems like, as much as he needs to. In the ballgame, Nate had seven points, so that was a winning suggestion. You bet 10, you won 19.52. From the same game, Florida State's leading scorer, Matthew Cleveland, I went over 15 and a half total points. He had been over 15 and a half in six of his last seven, and he had 19 in the previous meeting against Notre Dame. Came up just short. He had 14. That wager was at minus 130, so you bet 10, you lose 10. Could have won 17.69. The third suggestion was frustrating. Southern Illinois minus 17 against Evansville. The Aces are 0-8 in the Valley. Their road losses, the most five, or the five most recent losses on the road, by 35, 23, 28, 19, and 17. Come on, man. And SIU got up 15 to 1. And they kind of messed around and won by 8, 78-70. That I thought was a lock. It was not. Fourth and final suggestion from last night. From the Southeastern Conference, it just felt like a bounce-back game, and it was for Tennessee, minus six at Mississippi State. Tennessee pulled away in the second half. They got hot from the three-point line. Volunteers, 70. Bulldogs, 59. You bet 10, you won, 19.52. So we went 2-2 two and two on the night, 5-3 and three so far this week for the month and the year, 17 and 16. The four suggestions for tonight's action. Let's get some music, some Vegas music. Now that we're in the mood, we start in my second favorite conference in America. Grew up on this conference, still enjoy today. In fact, I think it is as good as it's ever been. The Missouri Valley Conference. When you add Two perennial powers from the Ohio Valley Conference in Murray State and Belmont to this conference. There are some really good basketball teams, and the Valley will get to the Sweet 16 this year. Tonight, it is Indiana State hosting the Bradley Braves. Indiana State is favored by two at minus 110. 
I'm taking the Sycamores, laying the two. Indiana State's lost two straight by eight to a really good SIU team and two on the road to Missouri State. They need a win to tie for first place. This is just like the Tennessee game, a bounce-back game. Bradley, their last three wins against very weak teams. Illinois, Chicago, Evansville, and Valpo. The last three games against good opponents, lost to Drake 86-61, Murray State 67-58, and Belmont 63-60. Indiana State minus a pair against Bradley at minus 110. Suggestion number two for tonight from the Southeastern Conference. The Missouri Tigers hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks. Pig Suey. The Tigers in Columbia favored by a point and a half. Missouri has dropped two in a row. They also lost to Arkansas in Fayetteville. Recently, 74-68. They had a huge first half lead and then clunk. Razorbacks came back and won by six. The Razorbacks have lost three in a row, and they are one of the big disappointments in conference play with just one win. Their most recent game, they lost to Vandy by 13, 97-84. Pig Suey on the road tonight. They're 0-3 in true road games this year, losing those three games by a total of 29. I'm going to go Mizzou minus 1.5 against Arkansas at minus 110. The third suggestion for tonight's action, also from the Southeastern Conference, the LSU Tigers taking on the Auburn Tigers in Baton Rouge. LSU is favored on their home floor by 4.5. LSU has been bad lately. They've lost four in a row. They lost to Bama by 40 in their most recent game. Auburn riding high. They've won three in a row but they have been playing to the level of their competition throughout the year. There's no way we should back LSU. They've lost four in a row. They lost by 40 in their most recent game. Ha-ha. LSU plus four and a half against Auburn. I'll take the home dog in this spot at minus 105. You bet 10, you win 19.52. And the fourth and final suggestion for tonight From the NBA, the Dallas Mavericks hosting the Atlanta Hawks. Trey Young was drafted by the Mavericks. Luka Doncic by the Hawks. They were flipped. Nothing else involved. It was straight up. And Luka's been really good against the team that traded him. He is 3-0 straight up in his career. I'll take the Mavericks at home minus 2.5 against the Atlanta Hawks. So our four suggestions for tonight. Indiana State, minus two against Bradley. Missouri, laying a point and a half against Arkansas. We'll take the home underdog, LSU, plus four and a half against Auburn. And from the NBA, Mavericks, minus two and a half against Atlanta. Good luck to you tonight. No underdog pick for tonight. Nothing really looked good. That's we going to Sizzler. It is 6.53. And I'll wrap up this edition of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat next from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.